Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Um, Philip B. Bliss, Philip P. Bliss wrote this poem. He said, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, dare to make it known. Last week, Daniel interprets King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Uh, his dream was that of a, an image uh, that represented coming world rulers. Uh, it's hard for us to think in terms of world domination and world rulership. And when we speak about these rulers, these are the ones that were calling the shots for the civilized world. And so Daniel gives this prophetic message to the king uh, in interpreting his dream. Now, if you remember, the king had told, gathered his magicians and soothsayers and astronomer, uh, uh, astrologers, some astronomy too, uh, to interpret the dream. And not only that, but to tell him what the dream was. They were unable to do that, uh, but Daniel was. And Daniel gave him precisely what that dream was, which is an amazing feat in and of itself. And he said, King, you saw an image, and it had a head of gold. And that gold, as we saw, represented the Babylonian kingdom. It had chest and arms of silver, which represented a lesser kingdom that was going to come after him in the context of central government, uh, but they would still dominate the world, the Medes and the Persians. And then there would be another one that would come after that, the Greeks, which was symbolized by a belly uh, and thighs of bronze. The legs of this image were of, uh, of iron and uh, the feet of iron and clay, and that symbolized the Roman Empire, which is the last world-dominant power that uh, this world has experienced. And of course, um, uh, you know, there are those who have tried, as we mentioned, but um, there's, there's really one more dominant world power to come that, that will be a revival of that Roman Empire. And so this image stands powerful, mighty, uh, unbreakable, and yet as we talked about last week, it's top-heavy. That the, the, the metals, as you go from the top to the bottom, uh, they begin to decrease and they, they begin in, in their strength until you get to feet that are made out of iron and clay. And, and so what we understand is that these nations, as strong and as, as massive as they seem, uh, there's a degeneration that takes place. And this instrument, this, this idol is, is, is top heavy and it can't withstand the weight that is around it. And so... As we saw, there's a, there's a stone that's cut without hands. Uh, this is more than just a normal stone that comes, and it strikes at this image. All of the, the power, all of the military might, all of the strength that these nations have to offer will be struck down with one swooping strike from uh, this rock, which we believe to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say Amen. All right. Now, evolution tells us that man is getting stronger and man is getting better and we're going to continue in that strength. But the Lord says something different. He says, men, you're actually uh, humanity. You're getting weaker. Uh, your morals are getting worse. You're not getting stronger. You're getting worse off. It's the exact opposite of that. That's why there's going to be a time where the Lord will intervene and stop this downward plunge. And I promise you that by the time we get to the end times and the Antichrist, then everything that he's going to be preaching, he's going to make man feel as strong as man can possibly be. So in the midst of man thinking they're as strong as they can be, Jesus will come through and say, you're really not all that strong. In fact, you're weak. And he's going to do his thing. And so we're not getting stronger, we're getting weaker. Now, James chapter 4, verse 6 says this. It says, God sets himself against the proud and the haughty, okay? but, but gives grace continually to the lowly, that is, those who are humble enough to receive it. All right? Pride. You cannot come to Christ and bow the knee to him if you're a prideful person. Uh, that's just not how it works. You have to come to him humbly and you have to come to him on his terms. You maybe have heard people say, well, you know what? If God this, that, and the other, then I'll believe in him. And God's not obligated to, to come to us in that way. He may choose to do that. Uh, but uh, we have to come uh, humbly. And speaking of pride, in, in thinking of Babylon, if there ever was a proud nation, not just in the sense of what they had accomplished, but in the sense of just straight out pride. Um, 
the hanging gardens of Babylon were one of the seven great ancient wonders of the world. The walls around Babylon were as tall as a football field at its length. So that gives you a little bit of a perspective of how tall those walls were. Uh, they actually, because the wall was so wide, they had chariot races across the top of the walls. This city stretched 15 miles in each direction as it was a square. There were ferry boats that uh, took people across the great Euphrates River that ran right through the middle of it. And not only that, they had iron bars that went all the way down into the river, into the bottom uh, for protection. The street were set in straight lines, north and south. How cool would that be? You know, the streets were set in straight lines north to south. I'm always amazed when I drive around Las Vegas and I see certain streets that start on one place and end at another place, like Alexander. You know, people will call me and say, I'm at Jones and Alexander. Your church isn't here. I go half a block and look left. Alexander picks up. Okay, who did that? I, I mean, no disrespect to planners and, and, and strategic, but who said, let's really, let's do this. Let's have Jones go this way west and then up here go that way east. I'm just saying, I mean, could it not have been one straight? I'm just saying, that's just maybe me. Listen, <laughs> that didn't happen in Babylon. North, south. That was, and, and you know what? This was an amazing city. I mean, if ever a city was built to last forever, it was Babylon. Beautiful. Amazing. You walked into Babylon and you thought, who did this? This is an awesome city. Uh, amazing. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, right? Um, well, and yet... Daniel says, King, you're going to be replaced by another nation. And that can only mean one thing. You're going to be conquered. Okay, now, let's just say that when you're the king of the world and you have like the baddest city on the planet, you don't, as in good, I'm sorry. I, I was at a basketball camp yesterday and so I have all this slang still in me, so forgive me. But when you have this massive city, and then you're told you're not going to be around, that's, that doesn't go over real well, especially if you're a prideful man like Nebuchadnezzar was. Okay, so pride and idolatry go together. Pride and idolatry go together. You show me someone who's prideful, and I promise you they're worshiping something. You show me someone who is an idol worshiper, and I promise you there's great pride in that. There are a lot of people who are very proud of their religion, and, 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 and they're, they're, they're boastful and they're obnoxious because of the pride in their religion. Uh, uh, people can be pr uh, prideful of all kinds of things and that always will go together with idolatry. Uh, you know, the, the, very, the very root of, of pornography is idolatry. Yeah, that's what that is. It is worshiping idols. Okay. Anyway, they go together, and in chapter 2, he dreams of this image with a golden head, and he is that head of gold, but then he shifts gears and he begins to do something about that replacement thing. Look at chapter one, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits, and it's width six cubits. So it's 90 feet high and nine feet wide. You know, they, when, they went, when they did anything in Babylon, they went large. Okay, it's got to be big so everybody can see. I mean, it's a 90-foot image. Like, wasn't like 45? These are like 25, 30 feet here. Okay, 90 feet. It's like, okay, Nebuchadnezzar, we get it, right? You, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Okay, in spite of his confession in chapter 2, verse 47, which King Nebuchadnezzar said, Surely, Daniel, your God is a God of gods and a Lord of, of kings and a revealer of mysteries. In spite of Daniel's interpretation uh, that this dream meant that he would be replaced by another world power, 
Uh, this is his declaration and his monument. You know, men will always build monuments because they want something to last forever. Go back to the Tower of Babel. What did they do? They built a monument. They built a religious worship center. They built this massive building because they wanted to stretch out to the very heavens and they wanted to be known and they wanted to stay together. And of course, the Lord circumvented that whole thing. Uh, so uh, uh, that was his declaration that his kingdom would never end. And it probably was not solid gold because the sheer amount of gold to do that would have been pretty uh, fantastic. It was very practical and very logical that they took those kinds of things and they overlaid them in gold, which is still quite impressive. Scholars say that there's a plain about six miles uh, south of Babylon, which would be ideal for such an image to be set up. The image, uh, if it was located on that plain, would be visible for miles. And the government officials, as we'll see, that are forced to come together, would be uh, able to stand and in full view. Uh, everyone could see who was there and who wasn't there. Now, interestingly, there's a Greek translation of the New Testament called the Septuagint kind of an ancient translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. I don't know if I said that correctly. Uh, but it says that Nebuchadnezzar built this image um, uh, or this statue in the 18th year of his reign, 16 years after Daniel's interpretation of the dream in chapter 2. Well, I know there's a lot of debate about exactly when this happened, but if it happened... Uh, uh, in the 18th year of his reign, then that would tell us that, that for a, pe a long period of time, maybe he was a little bit nervous about this new kingdom that was going to overtake his, but in 16 years, it hadn't happened yet, so he wasn't so concerned about it. In fact, you know what? I'm still the king you know, on the block. Uh, uh, Babylon is still the great nation, so we're going to erect a monument to illustrate that. There are people who believe it's been 2,000 years since Jesus said he was coming back and he's not back yet jesus is not and therefore they conclude that he's not coming back but you know the lord is patient amen the lord will take he, he's not on anyone's timeline but his and if the lord is waiting before the return of christ he's waiting for people to come to know him he's waiting for the times and the seasons that only uh, he knows in heaven uh, 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 as, in, as in the triune God, they, they know what that time is. And so uh, don't mistake his, his waiting as not happening because that time will come. Chapter 2, verse 3, uh, verse 2 and 3 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble. These are the, the, uh, the, the governmental leaders, the satraps, pre uh, prefects, governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. It's a grand opening. We got the new biggest, baddest um, idol for you all to worship. And King Nebuchadnezzar says, everybody show up. And let me just say this. When King Nebuchadnezzar invited you to the party, you went. Okay, didn't matter what you had, didn't matter if you weren't there, someone was going to know about it. And if he found out you weren't there, you were in trouble. So it says these, these men were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had stood up. This is incredibly important. Everyone who's everyone in Babylon is there. Verse 4 through 7 says this. Then it, the herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O people's nation and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, lyre, uh, uh, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Verse 7, Therefore at that time when all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, uh, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language. You get the idea of the crowd. Okay, of every language language fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Okay, I want you to see this link. 
Dwight Pentecost said this, The fact that the officials were commanded not only to fall down before the image, but also to worship it, worship it indicates that the image had religious as well as political significance. Okay, the marriage of religious values and religious precepts uh, with um, political or national um, uh, precepts. The marriage of the two. Now, you would agree with me that when that happens, that's normally not good. Our nation was founded on what? Not, uh, not to be a Christian nation, but freedom of religion. Yes, we want there to be people who are born again and people who... And we want, we want to be known as a Christian nation, but, but we're not anymore. Uh, and, and so, uh, but you know that when, when, a, when a, a dictator dictates politics and then brings in religion, there's all kinds of bad things that will happen. That's what Nazi Germany did, in particular in their youth movement. They'd married the two, they married the politics of Nazism with God and said to be German is and to be a Nazi is to follow God. And they pumped that in the minds of young people so they thought that what they actually were doing was serving God. It's a bad mix when religion and politics come together for the most part. Okay? Now, we happen to believe if those are Christian, if those are Christian values and Christian guidelines, that that's, that's not a bad marriage. But we also understand that God, Jesus never came to establish a Christian nation. Because, because that kind of establishment leads to all kinds of things that aren't good. He never came to establish that, but he came to establish his rulership in the hearts and minds of people. Uh, that's the kingdom of God expanding. I hope that makes sense to you. Okay? Um, I want you to get this, this link here, though. Uh, we didn't finish reading this, did we? Um, but rather, was instituting a new form of religious worship with this image at the, as the center. Nebuchadnezzar purposed to establish a unified government and also a unified religion. You know, think this, a one world government. I mean, doesn't that just make sense? If, if the entire world was under one government, and then while we're at it, let's have a one world religion as well. Yeah, everybody, you know, worshiping the same God or the same value system or the same way to get to that God. Yeah, that kind of unity is going to happen in the future when the Antichrist establishes a one world order, one world uh, uh, political system and a one world religion with himself at the center. So the king instituted himself as both head of state and head of religion. All who served unto him were to recognize both his political and his religious authority. Okay, let me back up and talk about the link between music and worship. And let me just say that you cannot separate music from worship. Bob Smithhauser, in an article out of uh, PluggedInMag.com, I highly recommend that, parents. PluggedInMag, all one word, of course, .com. Why? Because they do reviews on music. They do reviews on culture and movies and what's happening in contemporary culture. So when your young person comes home and says, yeah, I got the latest brain dead CD and I love it or down. Nobody gets CDs anymore, right? Yeah, you know, I, I date myself by saying CD, right? But when they download the latest brain dead album or whatever, and, and they're like, yeah, bumping their head with their headphones on, you have no idea what they're listening to. You go, what's the name of that band again? Brain Dead? Okay, go to PluggedInMag.com. It'll have a review for you, and you can uh, appropriately dismiss it from their iPod, or you can say, okay, that's cool. Or it's a teaching moment to say, let's listen to these lyrics, and let's try to identify actually what it's saying. Okay, PluggedInMag.com. Music-fueled identity crisis. Becca Shea is uh, fed up, uh, upset, angry, and frustrated. What did it take to get the Christian song, uh, singer-songwriter so peeved? The current state of pop music. In fact, Shea is so concerned about the character-shaping power of contemporary tunes in the lives of young fans, that the Dove-nominated pop R&B artist recently decided to research Billboard's top five uh, pop singles. The lyrics, the artist, but uh, that only made her feel worse. And this is what she said. Bob, speaking of Bob Smithhauser, I felt, I literally felt sick. I couldn't believe what I was seeing and hearing. 
and to think this is the top. This is what millions and millions of listeners are consuming. Young listeners in most cases, which is why Becca feels so passionately about the darkness and depravity marching in today's hit parade, lyrics that could cause particular harm to children still trying to figure out who they are and what they believe. Folks, if you don't understand this, music has a powerful influence on a culture. If you want to know the trajectory of a culture, talk to me about the pop music. Tell me what millions and millions of young people are listening to, and I'll tell you where that nation might be headed. Okay? Uh, Psalm 95.1, in fact, says this. It says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Music was created by God that it would glorify Him. And our adversary, the devil, has taken it because he understands the power of music and he's tweaked it, he's twisted it, he's perverted it until you walk down the hallways of any particular university or, or high school and you just listen to the, what, what young people say and the profanity and the sexual innuendos and you think, my goodness, young man, you did not just say that to that girl, did you? Oh, it's all right. Or, young lady, you didn't just say that to that boy. Or worse. Our culture has embraced the values of populace, so much of our culture has embraced the values of of music, uh, uh, videos, and and it, it, it filters because when I was in youth ministry, we used to have this discussion all the time. Music is more than just what goes into your brain. So many young people would say, hey, listen, I don't really care about the words. I just want to hear the lyrics. Well, help me out, man. How is it you're, you're getting this poor grade in your history class because you can't remember anything, but I put on this song and I mean, oh my gosh, you know every word of every lyric of every song because music is more than just brain food. It's soul food. It, it sinks beyond here and it goes here. That's why you can hear, you, you know, you've gotten born again and maybe you had a past. We all had some kind of past, right? And, and, and you, you got born again and... And there's you know, certain thing, certain culture you were a part of, certain music you used to listen to, and maybe you found yourself kind of gravitating away from that, and then all of a sudden you, you're flipping the radio, or you hear some song, and it takes you back. And it don't take but a nanosecond for you to be right back in the midst of your sin, and you'd be like, oh, I remember that song. Yeah, turn it up, boy. You're like, what? Turn it off, turn it off. I don't even, woo, I don't even know how that happened. Right? All of a sudden, you start thinking about places and people and situations, and it was all because of some dumb song. Oh, yeah, I'm talking, I'm preaching to, uh, yeah, somebody's receiving this today. Raise your hand if you receive, yeah, all the old folks, yeah. Young folks are like, I don't know what he's talking about. That song reminds me of as a cheeseburger. Exactly. The power of music. You're watching a movie and all of a sudden there's some a chase scene or something and I love certain movies and I'll say, hey Don, listen to this. Do you love the music? Listen to the music. Will you just watch the movie and not worry about the music? I'm like, that's awesome. And oh, here it is. In the music. People get paid a whole bunch of money to create moods and to get you thinking a certain way. See, Madison Avenue understands music is powerful. You can't separate it from worship. And the old expression in the early days of the computer industry is that if there's garbage coming in, there's garbage coming out. And you, know, you can listen to stuff, and you can pump profanity, and you can pump sexual innuendos, and you can pump new age philosophy into your mind. It will seep into your heart and come out of your mouth. And I'm a music lover. I love different kinds of music. But that's a discussion we have to have is what the lyrics are saying. And there's certain things we just don't listen to. It's like, no, I'm not listening to some you know, bubblegum song about some junior high dude talking about what he's going to do to his girlfriend. And I'm certainly not going to let my, like, my kids listen to it, to the best of my ability. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, we get caught up in this. And I tell you, music is powerful. The enemy knows it. That's why Bob Dylan said, you write the laws, let me write the music. 
A quote from Andrew Fletcher, the Scottish patriot, who said that. The power of music. Nebuchadnezzar says, just play the tune, man. And they're going to begin to link that music with worship. And every time they hear that tune, they're going to bow down. Yeah, look at verse 12. So the people hear the music and they bow down. But there were some men who didn't bow down. And there were these Chaldeans who came forward and they, they brought these charges against the Jews. And they reminded King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, didn't you have a, um, a law on the books? That everyone was supposed to worship you when they heard the music. They reminded him of that. And, and, they, and that whoever doesn't bow down and worship gets thrown into the fire. Verse 12 says, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. King Nebuchadnezzar is pretty fired up about this. You, know, you just don't do that. Verse 13 through 15 says, Nebuchadnezzar in rage and anger gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these three men were brought before the king. Okay, listen, put your, put your mind in their sandals. So the guards come and they say, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you need to come with us. What's the issue? You know what the issue is. See, see, they heard the sound of the music and they didn't bow down. And they knew that this time was probably coming. Listen, guys, we have to make a stand right here, right now. But there's going to be a time when we're going to be called to the carpet. You know that. And so how would these boys respond? Because here it is. What was that walk like wherever they came from to go and meet Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, verse 14, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound, there goes those instruments of all kinds of music, fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will, be immediately, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire and what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. Okay, um, uh, Spurgeon said this. We can imagine the enormous pressure on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to compromise everything in front of them. The king, the furnace, the music, their compatriots, uh, their comp competitors, all of it conspired to convince them to compromise. Yet God was more real to them than any of those. Do not judge the situation by the king's threat or by the heat of the burning fiery furnace, but by the everlasting God and the eternal life which awaits you. Let flute, harp, and sackbut... We weren't sure what that was, but we're going to Google it. Okay. <laughs> Sack but We think that's bagpipe. You know, we think you get that hip in there. It's funny. Trombone. Really? Sack butt is a trombone. Thank you, Pete. Did you know that? Did you Google that? You knew it. Pete, the trumpet player. Let not flute, harp, trombone <laughs> fascinate you, but hearken to the music and be glorified. Men frown at you, but you can see God smiling on you, and so you are not moved um whoo, i want you to see this in the end of uh, verse uh, uh 15 what god is there who can deliver you out of my hands oh he's so prideful forget about being delivered from the fire nebuchadnezzar says it's my hands whoo what god can do that and i love their response they don't miss a beat and they go, and you know, they, somehow this is kind of uh, already settled. And they say, um, uh, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, 
We don't need to give you an answer concerning this matter. In other words, oh, no, no. You know what? We don't even have to go there. We'll tell you exactly what we're going to do. O king, O mighty, powerful, most powerful man on earth, Nebuchadnezzar, who's about to throw us in the fire. We have an answer for you. We don't need to think or talk about it. Here, here it is. Verse 16 through 18. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king. Oh, I read that. Verse 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Now, do you know what they just said? They just said, hey, our God's bigger than you and he's going to deliver us out of your hands. No, no, I just told you what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands and you're telling me your God will deliver you out of my hands. Now he's really mad. He's really upset now. Verse 18. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. (gasps) And Nebuchadnezzar is like ready to blow a gasket. I mean, he's ready to explode. You don't talk to Nebuchadnezzar that way. How dare you? Oh, he is fired up listen they did not doubt god's ability but neither did they presume to know god's will they didn't say go ahead throw us in we coming out no they didn't say that they didn't say that they said go ahead do what you got to do and we're going to be delivered either way we're not sure how this is going to work out all right right job said though he slay me yet will i trust in him hmm They recognize that God's plan might be different than what their desires were. See, I have my own desires and my own dreams. They had their own, des- they, they, they had their own idea of how this was going to work out. And, 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 they, and they prayed perhaps that God would fulfill them the way that they wanted him to. But King, just know, just in case he doesn't, we're fully prepared here. See, they withstood the test of the food, which was a small thing. Remember the food when they tried to give them all the food of Babylon, which would go contrary to their culture, contrary to their religion, contrary to everything that they knew, especially eating food that was no doubt sacrificed and dedicated to idols. Remember how they said, no, King, we're not eating your food. You know, give us vegetables and water and in 10 days, come and look and we'll be we'll be proper. We will be. Uh, and they passed that test, which was really a small thing. If you think about it, now comes a bigger test, right? A, a, a bigger test. You know, people sometimes I've, in, in, in marriage, someone will say, hey, hey, you know, I take uh, a man will say, I take care of the big things. You know what? As long as I'm providing and I'm, you know, I'm taking care of business out there, blah, blah, blah. I'm taking care of the big things. And they don't think about the small things. And really, see, our culture says, or maybe some men believe, I take care of the big things and the little things that take care of themselves. I think it's the opposite. I think you're expected, you don't get points for taking care of the big things, right? There are times at my house where I try to get points with my wife. And I'm like, I did this. She's like, okay, Ann, <laughs> you know? <laughs> You want, a, you want a badge? You don't get points for that. I'm like, dang. No. Hey, listen. Do the small things. And then the big things will take care of themselves. In our, in our following the Lord, listen to that still small voice. Do the small things that God says. Uh, a worship in, the, in that context. Get in God's word. Do, do the little bit. And then the big things will take care of themselves. See, see they, took, they didn't eat the king's food that was a small thing. Now comes a big thing and they're ready. They were prepared in the small thing for the big thing. If you're not prepared in the small place, in the small thing, in the small decision, then when the big decision comes, you may not make it because you don't have the context of already having wrestled with the small thing. Now here comes the big thing. Much bigger test. This decision was already hammered out. They had already purposed in their heart. Think of all the excuses they could have made. Talked to my kids and my wife yesterday. We we're going through. I said, well, explain the context. I said, you know, here's some, here's some potential. Give, give me some excuses you think they might have made. We came up with some good ones. 
God will understand we're really not denying him. We're just honoring the wishes of the king. Okay, so it's okay to bow. Okay. Hey, listen. Everybody in Babylon's doing it. We're like the only three dudes who are like, everybody bows but us. Okay. Uh, we might as well bow, man, because everyone else is doing it. Just join in. But see, we'll bow on the outside, but not on the inside. We're not going to, it's not like we really believe in this dumb idol, but we better bow down or else it's fire. Uh, we still love God, and, and, and you know, and God would not want us to die over this, would he? I mean, he brought us all the way here to die in flames. No, I, I think it, it might be okay, because it doesn't mean anything to us. And by the way, if we die, who's going to encourage the Jews? And who's going to be a light to these heathen Babylonians? I mean, if we're gone, and then, and then who will do that? And, and uh, you know what? Listen, listen. Let's just do it and we'll, bow and we'll, we'll repent later. <laughs> Not that anybody in this distinguished crowd would ever do anything like that. I'm just going to do it, man. And you know what? Uh, Lord, you know my heart. Uh, uh, I'm going to ask forgiveness later. Oh, okay. Okay. <sighs> okay, listen. We stand before the king... Let's just do it this one time. We'll, we'll just bow once. This, this is it. We're not going to do it again. And, and here's, here's the last excuse that I came up with. Man, that fire would be hot. <laughs> that's, that's my last. That fire would be hot. It would be hot. I'm not trying to go there tonight, man. It's Friday night. Man. I'm not trying to be burned alive. I mean, I love the Lord and everything, but come on. <laughs> I don't feel led to burn tonight. Hey, these young men were brought up in the, in the context of the Ten Commandments. Number two, Exodus 24 says this, You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. They understood the significance of this. Just like they understood the significance of eating the king's food. This is crunch time. This is decision time. We either bow or we burn. It's one or the other. There's not going to be no, no negotiation. And, 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 and we know what God's law says. And so we have a decision to make. Are we going to be a man pleaser? Or are we going to be a God pleaser? Are we going to preserve? Are we going to, are we going to preserve our life and make our life an idol? And living on this planet an idol? Like, at all costs, protect yourself. At all costs, live longer. And hey, I'll, yeah, amen. But this is, you have to choose life or death right here. <laughs> there, there's nothing else. And they knew the consequences of each. Or did they? they? They knew the consequence, but they didn't know how God could work it out. Had they surrendered to the king and his, and his fire, there's much that would have never happened, as we will see. They would have, th there's much that would have never, verse 19 through 25. It says this, <clears throat> Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath and his facial expression was altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, he got so angry that he was, his face was, was changed. Up to that point, he was mad, but he wasn't crazy mad. Uh, and he heated, he gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was uh, usually heated. And, and I believe that he was saying, all right, turn it up seven times. And maybe he gave them a second to respond. Like, okay, listen, this is not going to go well for you. And he commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie them up in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. And these men were tied up in their trousers, cloaks, uh, uh, coats, their caps, their other clothes. They were cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot, the flame of the fire slew the, those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these three men... Uh, 
fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He responded and said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, Certainly, O king. He answered and said, Lord, uh, look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Ooh, wow. Let's, let's unpack that. One like the son of the gods or like the son of God. I, like many people, believe that that is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. And that in the, in the, in the midst of this fire, that the Lord Jesus is with them. We don't know if they saw him or not. We don't know if they talk to him they're in the midst of a fire and jesus is there that's the point they're in the midst of a fire and jesus is there jesus is there and the king sees that and he's astounded by this he's not sure what uh, what to make of this Walking around, they are. Well, verse uh, 26 through 30 says this. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the Most High God. Oh, that's interesting. We thought Nebuchadnezzar was the Most High God. Uh, come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Well, he's just a bossy dude no matter what, right? Get out of there. That sounds like something a parent would say. Get out of there. Stop playing around in the midst of the fire and get away. (laughs) He just says it. Now, this is great. You know, the Bible is just like, then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. And it's just, you read that and you go, seven times hotter. It's like, hey, guys, a king's calling us. Oh, let's roll. Let's go out and see the king. It was just, you know, he comes out of the midst of the fire. And, and, and there's no indicator that they walked out in any particular way. But I just sense in my spirit they walked out with a particular swag. You know, swag, you know. <laughs> High five, chest bump, you know. I don't know. I don't know what they did. <laughs> That's just me, you know. Like... You know, I don't know. I, I just, I just want If you got thrown in a fiery furnace seven times harder than normal that the dudes that throw you in got burned out and you, go, and you met the Lord Jesus Christ in that fire, would you not walk out with swag? <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, just like, I just picture that. Like, you could have fun with that, right? Or you could say, no, King, we ain't going nowhere. Turn it up, baby. <laughs> Woo! We'll come out when we're ready. We got to talk about a few more hot topics before we get out of here. I don't know. You know, I, no, King, tell you what, you want us? Come get us. Oh, man, he did not go there, did he? I'm just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But <laughs> you would not want to wear out your welcome in the fiery furnace, right? You would not want to wear it out. Like, okay, now it's starting to get hot in here, fellas. We better go. I think the anointing is running out, right? The miracle's about to end. I don't want to be stuck in here when it's over, okay? I don't know. I don't know. It's, a, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about what's happening here. We've, how many, we've read this story a hundred times. And, 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 and out, the, out they come. Out they come. This is Nebuchadnezzar. Now he's like, okay, 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 okay. So maybe I'm not the most high guy around here. Maybe I'm not the king that everyone should bow. You know, maybe he gets it. We'll find out. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, because, uh, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. We give him credit for recognizing that. Verse 29, therefore I make a decree, and here's Nebuchadnezzar, got to be in control of everything, right? He's a control freak. 
Therefore, I make a decree that any nation, any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, let's just say this, they'll be torn limb from limb and their house is reduced to a rubbish heap. Inasmuch as there's no other God who is able to deliver in this way, then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. Okay, so, so, so King Nebuchadnezzar makes a decree in the land. You have better not disrespect the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not realizing that he had disrespected that God by setting up an idol just a few sentences before. And, 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 and so, what do we gather from this? <clears throat> in the end times which are yet to come, the end of the end, very end of the end times, the Antichrist, like Nebuchadnezzar, will force the whole world to worship an image of himself. Nebuchadnezzar is a preview or a type of the Antichrist. Okay? And, and those who refuse to worship him will face certain death. Okay? Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, uh, the Jews and true believers who are here then, who refuse to worship the Antichrist in his image, they will, they will face death as they are cast into the midst of tribulation, such as the world has never seen. Daniel 12, 1 we'll get to, and Matthew 24, 21. And then, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Son of God will deliver those who put their trust in him. So, number one, God is sovereign whether the result of your obedience is triumph or tragedy. God is sovereign whether the results of your obedience is triumph or tra tragedy, Chuck Swindoll says. Truth is, he may deliver you through the fire or he may deliver you in the fire. But either way, God delivers his people. God is sovereign. Question, where was Daniel? It does not tell us where he was. But I think about that. Because it's God's sovereignty that allowed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to go through this. But Daniel didn't. Don't know why. Maybe he wasn't in Babylon. We don't know. And so Daniel didn't have to go through this, but his friends did. For God's own purposes and God's own reasoning. Trap quotes an English martyr who said this as he was burnt at the stake. He said, O ye papists, behold, ye look for miracles. Here now you may see a miracle. For in this fire I feel no more pain than as, than as if I were in a bed of down. But it is to me as a bed of roses. You know what? Secondly, did you notice that the only thing that was burnt was the cords that had them bound that's the only thing that got burned off. Everything else remained the same. Their clothes, their hair, it says. And it says they didn't even smell like smoke. I mean, it was a complete miracle. But those cords were gone. So they were no longer bound. Sometimes suffering serves that purpose in our lives to burn away that which has us bound. Thirdly, you know, one never knows how your willingness to obey will lead others to know the Lord. We don't know if Nebuchadnezzar had a full-on conversion here. He said some nice things. We don't know if he's made up his mind yet. It's pretty hard when you're like the most powerful man on the earth and you build statues all over dedicated to yourself. But he certainly has had an amazing witness as these three and four, if you include Daniel, have stood, uh, stood strong so far. He's watching and so are the other wise men in all of Babylon. Fourthly, fear God above all else. Fear God above all else. You know, the people uh, that bowed down, they didn't bow down necessarily because they feared Nebuchadnezzar. They feared that fire. Uh, uh, fear God above all else. Uh, when fear grips us, it causes us to bend our knees as well. And yet faith overcomes fear. 
As we get to the end of the end times, there'll be more and more fearful things happening. And there's going to have to be a people who understand the times, uh, who, are, who, are, who have faith in God, who will be, be a steadying voice and a steadying influence in all of that. And who will say, hey, listen, we knew these things were coming. We're, 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 we're grieved like everybody else, but the end times are coming. And, and, and Satan is on an all-out sprint to claim as many hearts and lives as he can before his time is up. And so we look up and say, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. And we say that, you know, these things were prophesied thousands of years ago. We know that they're on the way, so we're not caught off guard. So we're ready. And you know what? That we're not fearful. We're not fearful. We're not fearful. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? You know, there are some people who haven't come to Christ because they're afraid of something. What's keeping you back? Are you afraid of what someone will say? Are you afraid of what someone will think? Are you afraid of how you might have to change your life? Are, are you afraid about you fill in the blank? Now, fear keeps us back from blessing. And, and there, there is a way to overcome fear. There is a way to overcome fear. It's called faith. And, 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 to, and to say, no, regardless of how I feel, I'm choosing to step out in faith. Do you think that these four guys were not afraid? I think maybe they were. It doesn't tell us. I think maybe they were, but they didn't let that fear stop them from moving ahead. How do you get more faith? By having less fear. How do you get less fear? By God putting you in situations where you have to activate faith. And so we get put in a situation where we're fearful and then we have a decision to make. We shrink back, we stop, we don't make that conversation, we don't go forward, or we say, you know what, by faith, God, I'm going to take a step and trust you with whatever happens. Joshua 1.9 says this, before Joshua and the children of Israel were going to face some major, major challenges, it's their responsibility to go in and take the promised land. And there's a bunch of big people in there. Because the last time we were here, we looked like grasshoppers. Now, we're going to look like gnats. These are big people. There's, there's full-on, formidable walls. and It's not going to be easy. But they had been wandering in the wilderness for some 40 years. They'd seen God's provision every day. And they knew, God, if you can, if you can make one to two to three million people survive in the wilderness where it's miserably hot and provide everything that you're going to provide in the promised land. And they took those steps. And he says this, before he goes, before he's commissioned to go, Joshua 1.9 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be uh, afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is what? With you wherever you go. In the wilderness, in the times of confusion, in the times of doubt, when you're in the midst of the fiery furnace there's a there's a fourth man one who appears like the son of god who's there with you and you know what if we could remember that and only that i'd say we made some headway today amen amen let's pray let's pray father god in the name of jesus thank you for this this time it's it's been a good time god it's it's an amazing piece of of, of scripture so much of, it's just amazing god and i pray that it would minister to your people today and give strength 